0: I'm Ryan Presley. And I'm Wesley Arning. Welcome to the Wayside Podcast.
1: All right, Ryan, episode one. Let's do this. We've gotten episode zero out of the way. We've told our life stories. Done with that. Uh, And so we are starting a four-week exploration on this idea of Christian hope, Uh, which, thinking about it, hope is a lofty idea. The Apostle Paul himself includes it with faith and love as theological virtues. But what does it really mean for Christians to have hope in a time uh, where there is so much division in politics, there's still the lasting toll of the COVID nineteen pandemic. There's uh, international unrest, and a lot of it seems like it's colored without hope. And now, the more and more folks are returning to the church. And what does the church, let alone the gospel and Christianity, have to offer people looking for hope? Yeah, you know, Wes, You know, we got interested
0: in this idea of hope as a way of thinking about like it's such a basic idea, but do we actually, as Christians, have a good understanding of what hope is, period, but what makes a Christian hope different from a generic idea of optimism, right? And with that idea, how does hope for Christians define how we live our lives, especially in challenging times? We're so excited to invite all of you into this conversation, Over the next four weeks, we're going to dive deeply into some big questions about hope. We're going to hear voices and perspectives from within our St. Martin's community and from without, and hopefully, no pun intended, leave more rooted in our faith and equipped to further God's kingdom as believers in Christ. So to kick off our conversation, Wesley, I want to get your thoughts on an article that kind of began me down this journey of wondering about this idea of Christian hope. It's from Christianity Today and was published about a year ago. We're going to include it in our show notes so that everyone has a chance to take a look at it. I highly recommend. And it's called Don't Wait for Hope, Work For It. And I was just struck by this idea of hope as something you actively work for. So kind of dove into it, and the author, her name is Hannah Anderson, um, She's an author. She's a minister in rural Virginia, and she talks about how even during the pandemic—and this is a quote of hers—we have a duty to anticipate God's goodness. She talks about raising a teenage daughter, and you know, my my oldest daughter is, you know, going to be six pretty soon. Your oldest daughter's, you know, your single daughter is still very, very young. But it got me thinking. it, It really kind of touched me thinking about her reflections around how you know this daughter. She was about to go to college, and just. All of the myriad disappointments that she had to watch her daughter endure with, you know, cancellations of events, internships, and college tours that just never were going to happen for her. Um, All these things that she so desperately wanted her daughter to experience. And I think a lot of us can identify with that sentiment in our own lives and, you know, in the lives of those around us these past, you know, two, three years, Hannah, the author, she goes on to talk about how what she sees as like collateral damage from the pandemic, right? Our ability to dream, to plan, and to hope for the future, which you know kind of leaves you in kind of a depressing spot. But she lays out this pretty convincing argument for how we can show up in our lives in response to hardships, um, especially as Christians, as we plan for the future, actively plan for the future with expectation. She has this great line I want to get your thoughts on. By ceding control to God, we guarantee that we will have a future. It may not be the one we anticipate or even the one we would choose, but we're emboldened knowing that his plans cannot be thwarted. That's good stuff. It is. So that got me thinking, where does that confident hope for the Christian, where does it come from then?
1: Like, how, how, Where do you begin thinking about that? Starting off easy, right? I mean, and really this came out of a conversation, this whole series of, for me at least, of having done a number of funerals over the past couple months. Mm. We have just had so many deaths here at St. Martin's, had a lot of baptisms, had a lot of good news as well. But we've gone through a season where uh, we've buried a lot of our beloved parishioners. And I get in that pulpit and go, all right, what am I saying here? To these folks and and what is it that we're really offering to the people in the pews in this moment but what are we offering to congregation on sunday mornings what are we offering even through this podcast uh, to a larger audience and it's really the sense for me of a hope that is deeper and bigger than anything the world offers it's a hope that's rooted in jesus so jesus is still the answer but really hope is kind of uh, i think something that is unique, this Christian understanding of hope that the church can offer to the larger world. Um, And kind of the biggest way of thinking about this, and it clicked for me while in the pulpit doing a eulogy, is that our hope is not circumstantial. Hmm. So where the world is saying, this is the end, grieve, but there is nothing else after this. A Christian is able to grieve and really feel the loss of that. I mean, there's nothing unchristian about mourning the loss of a loved one. Mm. But even in that, we're not saying that this is, this is it. There is, there is something more going on. So as Paul says, you know, we shouldn't grieve as those without hope, that there is still something anchoring us in our life, even in the most uh, distressing circumstances.
0: Yeah, no, it's funny you mention a eulogy, because even, um, I got COVID uh, pretty recently, so I was, you know, my 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 wife banished me uh, away from the house, so I was driving to where I was going to go quarantine, and it was like Monday morning, it was early, and it was the live broadcast on NPR of the, I guess, what, a, what would have been the state funeral for Queen Elizabeth II, and... you know, we've been thinking, obviously, as we're preparing for for this show around just this idea of hope. And it struck me because right there in Westminster Abbey, you know, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, in his homily, he talked about Christian hope. And I want to read you the quote. He said, "'Christian hope means certain expectation of something not yet seen. Christ rose from the dead and offers life to all, abundant life now and life with God in eternity.'" We will all face the merciful judgment of God, and we all can share the Queen's hope, which in life and death inspired her servant leadership. I mean, I, I think what you're saying around this moment of when we're in these deepest, kind of darkest places, and it, it, often grief after a loss of you know someone close, and I mean, it just blew me away just thinking about the number of people who you know were just really deeply affected by you know by the loss of Queen Elizabeth. That there's something kind of I don't know if it's fair to say uniquely Christian, but certainly special to the Christian faith that there is a, we don't run from suffering, you know? Um, And that in those dark moments, what's the line, you know, from Romans, it's like hope, Abraham had hope against hope, Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. in that moment where um, like the circumstance seemed so dire, seemed so irreversible, um, there was still a call to hope, and that—that's just a fascinating idea
1: to me. And that's going back to the Christianity Today article. You know, she references the most popular line in Jeremiah, which Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. People are not running to read Jeremiah, <laughs> but they will read chapter twenty-nine, verse eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Um, and we've marred really taken that out of context and, and hmm. said, you know, this is not just about positive thinking, you know, kind of the, a very superficial hope of just think about these things and, and it will happen or, or just trust in the Lord and, and good things will follow. She reminds us that Jeremiah was writing this to the Jews who had been exiled in Babylon. And so what did it mean hmm. to trust in the Lord uh, and to know that the Lord's plans are ultimately good in the moment of exile, of that they are having to now put down roots in a foreign land under judgment from God that uh, of their unfaithfulness. And, and what does it mean that in this present moment, I'm not where I want to be, my family's not where I want to be, um, but the Lord's calling me in this moment to be present in this, knowing that down the road, God is faithful now and He's going to be faithful uh, in his own timing, in a different way than we expect, um, hmm. modern folks don 't like that i don 't like that no it's it 's incredibly uncomfortable it
0: It reminds me i feel like a year ago or so maybe in the lectionary um, you know kind of came up the you know the the story and as in Daniel of Shadrach, Meshach, mm-hmm. and Abednego. and i you know as a child you know there's like one of those stories that like as a kid you know there's always like a mural or something, right? It's like, you know, you walk into a children's area and there's always gonna be a mural of Noah's Ark or something mm-hmm. to do with the flood, right? Which I always think is fascinating because it's like, you know, the destruction of all humanity, save Noah and his kin and two of all kinds. Let's put that in the nursery, right? But there's always yep. then again, the story of these three guys who get thrown into fire. Um, but there's this wonderful line in Daniel where, you know, essentially in, in refusing to, to, you know, to, to to worship the gods of... Um, Help me out here, biblical scholar. Uh, Um, I don't know. Nebuchadnezzar, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Points. Um, uh, In refusing to do so, um, they're being thrown into this fire. And they make this comment where essentially, like, you know, Nebuchadnezzar tells the three, like, if you are going to – be in that fire. Like, if you if you believe in this God so earnestly, then surely this God will come and save you. And there's this wonderful line. I mean, I'll, I'll look it up. There's this wonderful line where it's, like, essentially something to the effect of, like, you know, even if God does nothing, even if we are to burn in that fire, we still will not worship mm-hmm. your gods. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, our faith and our hope is so great that it is it's almost, like, divorced from... From circumstance, which is so the opposite of optimism. Optimism is it's it's all going to turn out. Everything's going to be okay in this short mm. term. And I think there's a grain to that, right? Like when you think about mm. the notion of Christian hope and our expectation of God's long arc and plan to restore mankind, humanity, creation to what it was intended to be. But like you said, to modernize, like we're thinking, you know, if I have hope, then it's going to turn out better tomorrow but the reality is in circumstances like it's not always true mm-hmm. and as a christian we fully embrace that and say that's okay like we take that
1: expectant leap and still press on and what she says in the article uh really kind of the gem here is she says it teaches us to trust a person and not our plans mm. and i'm a planner yeah. and Control so freak. Yeah, absolutely when things aren't going as planned then i blame god you know for him not accomplishing the plans that i had set for him for me <laughs> um and so i really that's kind of the radical nature of christian hope is that it is something deeper and bigger than ourselves and our plans alone and we have to trust the one who has all plans mm-hmm. uh from beginning to end alpha and, and omega and trust that whatever it is that He's got us. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about the Good Shepherd in this sense of that mm-hmm. He is going to walk with us. Doesn't mean that things aren't going to happen to us, unexpected things, tragedies, but His promise is always to be there for us. Yeah. I think there's so, you know, in
0: talking through this, it's though as Christians, the, 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 the root of our hope is forward-seeking, right? It is this Always, this, yeah. this expectant waiting of what we believe, you know, has already happened, right? This this idea of it, it is now that Christ and, you know, God through Christ has defeated, you know, evil. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but not yet, right? But the fulfillment of that restoration hasn't happened yet, right? But we know it will. But I think there's also this element with hope of relying on like, what God has already done, right? So it's also this hope of looking back, right? I think, you know, like, how often in the Old Testament, whether it be through the Psalms um, or through the prophets, where there's this call to, like, remember what God has done for us, right? Like, the very, like, idea of, you know, the exile and, you know, the the delivery for, of of God's people from Egypt that, like, essentially says, like, that promise will be kept, that covenant has been made and the promise will be kept. So it's like, it's like, it's, it's an interesting dynamic of like, we have hope because of what God has already done and we have hope because of what God we know intends
1: to do. And that's what the Eucharist is. What we are doing every Sunday is this sacred remembering of God's goodness in the past and that we can hope in his faithfulness in the future. Hmm. Uh, this continual call to remember what Christ has done, not only the model he set at the Lord's Supper, for caring for one another, for loving one another, but also what it prefigures in the crucifixion and this sacred remembering. Like, that we can't do this once and say, all right, we've got it. I mean, it's every Sunday for Episcopalians and for a lot of other traditions of this continual... We need to remember this on a weekly basis, let alone if not on a daily basis of of this, and that we can trust in it. We can taste and see literally (laughs) that the Lord is good. No mm-hmm. matter what is happening to us that last week, or what's going to happen to us in the week ahead, hmm. like what a powerful,
0: you know, just visceral reminder of, you know, what what we can look back and rest on, but then also what we can look forward to, and because of, right? Definitely.
1: Well, Ryan, I'm really excited. Um about what we have left of this series. We are going to have some guests join us over the next couple of weeks. I think we're going to have a clergy round table mm, next week, exciting. which I'm really excited. Getting my to, questions ready. That's right. Uh, let's see if we can stump the priest. Yeah. yeah. So, Why are you hopeful? <laughs> <laughs> so we're really excited about sharing in those conversations. And hopefully uh, this episode has kind of set the scene for what we're going to do for uh, the rest of the series. Absolutely. Everyone's invited for the journey to
0: come. Let's do it. Let's go. All right.
1: Thanks for listening. The Wayside Podcast is a ministry of St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas. It was created by Ryan Presley and the Reverend Wesley Arning. It is executive produced by Robert Killingsworth. The theme music was written and recorded by Robert Killingsworth. If you're interested in life at St. Martin's, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at St. Martin's Episcopal Church.